Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Maury Brown does great work over at Forbes. You can follow him on Twitter at BizBallMaury, M-A-U-R-Y. He joins us now via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Maury, we always appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for hopping on with us today. Uh, I, I guess I kind of have to ask this. How are you doing, man? I'm tired. <laughs> I think we all are. You know, it's uh, it's been a long few days, and if I'm tired then I imagine that the players and, and, you know, some of the owners are probably tired in the middle of this thing. So I'm going to ask you, Maury, the question that I asked of everybody and really that I just find myself asking in general about this whole situation. Why? Why are we here today? Why did we have to cancel games? What led to this? Well, I think the easiest way to do this, and it's hard to do visuals on radio, but if you took your arm at a 45-degree angle, and looked at that and said, that's what the owners have been making. And then you took another your arm and brought it down flat or lower than flat. And that's what the player salaries are. You would say that's the reason. Owner revenues have gone up consistently and dramatically. And the player's pay has not been consummate to the amount of money that has come in. They're looking to try and get something that's more equitable. So the fault lines are there. I mean, it's around the particulars of that, more money to younger players, trying to increase um, the luxury tax, which is acted as a de facto salary cap. And you, you throw those things together and stuff like, are clubs actually trying to win? I mean, there are some that you could say have been living off welfare, a.k.a. revenue sharing. And those things are really the sticking point. You know, it really is about that competitive balance, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, it's finally after 26 years gotten to this point. My follow-up question to that, Maury, how does it get fixed in one CBA? Because I'm with you. Like, I I am pro player, and anybody in our audience would know that. And what they got yesterday was was not a good deal. It was objectively not a great deal for them. However, I look at some of the things that it, it, it doesn't seem like the owners are going to budge on this CBT. And if that's a big portion of what the players want to get changed, I don't know if they're going to get that even as we continue negotiating. So how do they fix that in one negotiation in your in your perspective? Well, I think you can fix um, the core principles of it in one negotiation. And the players are not going to get everything they wanted. They wanted all service level two guys 
to enter salary arbitration. That wasn't going to happen. They wanted to go ahead and decrease revenue trend. That's not going to happen. They offered them up, you know, expanded playoffs. They took that. Sponsorship patches, a bunch of stuff. I think that if you look at the, what at what really is happening here, Rob Manfred yesterday said five hundred million dollars over the life of the agreement would go to younger players, and you go, "Wow, that's a lot of money." And except for if you look at it, it's basically redistribution. I mean, there's not a lot of money that's going to be hit. But even if it was, let's say you know five hundred million dollars over five years, and you do the math. That's somewhere around three to four million dollars per club per year. And we're going to lose regular season games over that. Looking at what they proposed on the luxury tax was really almost a slap in the face to the to the players because it was so incremental in its movement. If you look at prior agreements, hey, they didn't have a problem raising it before, and now they do. It's a de facto cap. They want to harden the cap. If you look at it, I mean, prior proposals had increased penalties. And it wasn't until the 11th hour that they went, okay, we'll go back to the status quo. We'll take the penalties from the last agreement and agree to those. So, look, I mean, it's more than that. I think that it, on principle, there really needs to be some, you know, awakening on the, on the owner side. And what's happened here, guys, if you look at this really close, there's a faction of the owners, and I would say it's the low to mid revenue making clubs that are the ones driving the bus. They're the ones that are doing this. They, they, that I think that faction has got Rod Manfred's ear. So, more the one thing that I took away yesterday, and I was listening to the players' press conference after everything took place, and you know the question was asked, you know, with these games being canceled. Where do you go from there? And the player standpoint was, you know, we expect to be compensated once things start back up for the games that were canceled if they don't reschedule them. For me, I'm thinking, man, you already have a long list of things that you guys are so far off on, and you're going to add this to it. I mean, this just doesn't seem like it's something that you miss a couple of weeks of the season and it can be fixed. It seems like something that could drag on for a pretty long time. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, all these things are negotiable. And what gets said in press conferences, whether it was Rob or whether it was, you know, Tony Clark, um, those things, you know, when it comes down to it, I mean, they, I think that those things can move. On principle, again, I think that the players are probably on the right side of this thing. Getting service time back, getting full pay, what was said by Bruce Meyer was, we expect games to be rescheduled. I don't know how that happens. And you lose a month worth of games. There's so little slack in the schedule. But if you rescheduled all the games and you got 162 in, then you would expect full pay. And so again, I I don't know how that happens. You know, hey, you know, seminating double headers doesn't draw as much as a full day. You know, a full game. And so the owners are going to go look. It's just not the same. It doesn't affect our gate the same way. You know. So again, there all this stuff is going to be negotiable now. When we get to that point is the big question. And I'm going to say that we're not going to get to those kind of discussions until the end of April. I think we're going to be into May before this thing really starts to move. We're talking to Maury Brown for another couple of minutes here on 101 ESP, and you can find his work over at Forbes and also on Twitter at bizball Maury, M-A-U-R-Y. I'm going to ask you a question that I already know the answer to, Maury, but I got to ask it because it's something I've been thinking a lot about as we've been going through these negotiations, which is if the players went to the owners tomorrow and said, okay, in 1994, 1995, we missed a hell of a lot of games because you wanted to implement a salary cap. 
We're willing to go back on that negotiation. We'll go ahead and give you the cap, but it's also got to come with a floor. And whether you want to set that at 80, 100, whatever the the threshold would be, we're going to have a floor now in baseball as well. What would owners' reactions to that be? Well, right. I mean, I just kind of said it prior. I mean, if if the low to revenue making clubs are driving the bus right now, they would be opposed to it. I'm not in favor of a floor. And I think that if this topic does come up and then, you know, and some day, I think it's absolutely going to happen. It has to, I think the luxury tax in reverse is how you are going to basically melt away some of those, you know, clubs, whether it's the pirates, the rays, you know, the, the usual suspects would be that way. You know, if you go below this number, you lose draft picks or, you know, whatever it is. If you do it two consecutive years, those penalties get harsher. And so it would basically be the luxury tax in reverse. So there, there does need to be that. I mean, this is, I think the, the biggest thing that I think a lot of fans don't think about. It's not the top, although the cap itself is, you know, it's acting as a cap. Um, It's the bottom that is largely at issue. It is clubs that are not trying to compete. When you have the Pirates with $50 million of player payroll, that should not be acceptable because there's a hell of a lot more centralized money, money that's coming evenly to all 30 owners, whether it's national TV money or streaming deals or gaming rights, whatever the heck it is, that it's way over that $50 million for sure. So where is that other money going? And the way that you have to say that it's going going into somebody's pocket and that should not be how any league should be run it speaks to its credibility like you know if if you're in a town where they're not trying to compete and you guys are in st louis my goodness i mean it's not like the the, obviously the cardinals try every year and it's not like they're the biggest doggone market in the country so hey it can be done it absolutely can be done so there has to be some accountability from those teams at the bottom and like I said, I think right now they have Rod Manfred's ear. They're the ones that I think that are really pushing for this. Because let's be honest, if you're sitting there watching Orioles baseball in April or Pirates baseball in April, are you really missing much? Maury, I'm sure you've seen these messages throughout these negotiations, and we've been seeing them nonstop. And, you know, I'm on the firm belief it's not one side that you can blame because both sides have accountability in this. But if somebody were to ask you, a fan of baseball were to ask you, you know, who's to blame in all of this? Who would you say? So it's the owners this time. I, it, it's it's remarkable. Almost to a man, you will find this. It's there's very few people on the side of the owners right now, and for good reason. Again, there is a significant amount of information, even though baseball's books are not open. There's enough out there to see it, and the players obviously do too, and they're economists. So it's very very hard to see how you know when the amount of money that we're talking about here and the amount of money that's coming in, I know Rob Manfred said five years that they've taken it in the shorts on, you know, the amount of money. That's not true. They went 17 consecutive years. Cause I reported it in 2019. They saw record gross revenues of $10.7 billion. And that's of course, before expenses and everything, but 17 consecutive years. And now you're going to say, Oh, wow. You know, we're losing money. No, if you look at the Braves finances, which are the one public U.S. club that we have access to, they made a profit last year. So it's not like the pandemic was some, like, overarching thing that's going to be here forever. 
And the clubs are making a lot of money. And this doesn't even speak to when they do the sales. So I, I don't I don't find a solid argument for owners this time around. I really don't. Mario, we'll get you out of here on this one. How does this get resolved in your mind? Like, if if we end up, you said, maybe we get into May, and they finally come to some sort of a resolution, what do you think it is that either side gave in on to get us there? Well, I, I think that the owners are going to have to do something around the competitive balance checks. That seems to be the sticking point in this one. There was, honestly, money that went into the younger players. We've got a pre-salary arbitration pool now, which we've never had before. For young players that perform, you know, and and do well, they're going to get some form of compensation. You know, the there's that. The top is where it's going to have to happen. So the the owners are going to have to do something to where you see increases in the competitive balance tax every year of the agreement. And so, and I think that the players will go fine. We'll give you your sponsor patches. You know, we already gave you expanded playoffs. We're not going to 14. They made that very clear. There were 12. That's the thing that's so I think galling here is I think that we were pretty doggone close. I really do. But if the players had taken the deal that they were, which Dan Halem said repeatedly, according to what the Players Association said, over and over, which was their last best offer, that was not their best offer. So I think that it's going to have to happen mostly on the owner's side. Interesting. Uh, hopefully they they cave soon, but I just it, it doesn't feel like that's going to happen. Maury, thanks so much for the time today, man. Hopefully as this thing progresses, we'll have some better news that we can talk to you about. All the best to you and yours, and hopefully we'll talk with you again soon, man. Hey, yeah, same to you guys. Have a great day.